Welcome to this edition of the Morrinsville Baptist Podcast. Uh, It's great to have you listening in and we hope that this message comes as a great encouragement and blessing to you. Uh, If you'd like to know any more information about Morrinsville Baptist Church, please check out our website at www.morrinsvillebaptist.com. stays that way Richard (laughs) Um, right let's pray yeah Heavenly Father we we want to come before you and put you first this morning we acknowledge that you are Lord and uh, Father as we open the word this morning we want to do that with with integrity we want to do it by honoring you and uh, as an act of our worship and uh, Father, I just pray as, as we make our way through some, some difficult passages this morning, Lord, that you would guide Richard and I, that you'd fill us with your spirit and lead us accordingly. And uh, as we've been praying, Father, if there are words, if there are things in here that, that uh, don't represent you, Father, we pray that they would fall by the side and, uh, and that only your words would be heard this morning. Father, soften our hearts for the truth that is in these words. And uh, we just commit this morning into your hands in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, as, as I mentioned last week, I'll just move so I can be seen by all. Um, Richard and I are uh, doing things a little bit differently this morning, obviously. We're sitting on stools, which I'm not used to, but uh, I'm sure I'll, I won't fall off. If I fall off, somebody can catch me. Um, and, and one of the things is we've we've been looking for an opportunity for quite some time actually to be able to come up and, and do this together. Um, part of that because we recognize that we are the body of Christ. We, we all have giftings, we all have things that, that God has given us to, to build up, to encourage um, encourage each other, right? And uh, hopefully this morning as, as we approach these, these passages, because we see things slightly differently, or we, God's given us different things, hopefully we can, we can honor um, God's word a little bit more clearly or, or serve you in a, in a greater capacity if that makes sense. So, so we're excited about, about this opportunity. Um, and I think <coughs> it's important for us when we're talking about relationships, the, rela- the relationship that we have is important and the relationship that we have is really important. And what I love about the Bible is from cover to cover, we, we have a Bible that tells us a story of relationship, a relationship between our heavenly father and his created people. And it's, and it's a beautiful story. And uh, right there at the start of Genesis, we see uh, a literal marriage between, between Adam and Eve. Do you know like uh, all those times in, in early Genesis where God says, it is good, it is good. And then he says, it is not good for man to be alone. He creates Adam and Eve and we see a literal marriage. And then we see all through the Bible, you know, there's, there's, um, there's over 700 times where we see marriage imagery through the Bible and then in Revelation we're presented with a spiritual marriage between the bride of Christ between between us the church and Jesus and uh, and marriage is this really important thing to God and so this morning as we open up Matthew 19 it's it's a difficult passage and it's going to affect all of us in different ways and uh, and our heart is that we see first of all that that a relationship that is so important to every one of us the number one relationship has to be god right and um 
And as we lift our eyes to him and as we put him first, our, our hope and our prayer is that that would help us to understand God's intention and, and the words that Jesus speaks through here. And uh, just remind us, you know, as Christians, we're on this beautiful journey from, from brokenness through to restoration. And as we're saved, as we come into relationship with God, there's these moments where, where God wants to bring healing and freedom in our lives. And uh, just this morning as we go through it, that would be my heart, is that um, each of us would look at this remembering that God is, is number one. So Richard, I wonder, would you be happy to uh, give us a little bit of background as to how we've ended up here in this position and um, why Nick and Foster aren't up here? And, uh, and perhaps a little bit of context as well as to, as to the time that Jesus is speaking to. on yeah that's great thank you tom yeah well we're, we're doing this because it's the next chapter uh, we're on chapter 19 and uh, many of you will know here that we've been doing the gospel of matthew <coughs> since early 2021 and jesus has been saying if you want to follow me this is what it looks like and so we've talked about the lifestyle of the kingdom we've talked about the mission of the kingdom the growth of the kingdom and just recently matthew 18 about the community of the kingdom which is which is god's people and so Jesus has been uh, teaching his disciples. And now we're coming close to the, the, the phase where Jesus is going to go to the cross. And so he's having some quality time with his disciples alone. And then he will also, uh, as uh, when, when crowds follow, he will speak to the crowds as well. And so Jesus raises the issue, or the, um, the Pharisees raise an issue in the crowd about um, uh, divorce and remarriage. And this isn't the first time this has come up. It came up in chapter 5. And uh, when Jesus spoke about that, it, he spoke in the context of, of having a forgiving disposition, keeping your oaths, um, having a heart for reconciliation, and loving your enemies. And so when we came to Matthew 18 um, a few weeks ago now, we then uh, heard Jesus say, you need to forgive because the great debt God has forgiven you. And then this is how you deal with it. And so in Matthew 18, uh, Jesus outlines a process. If you've got a problem, a breakdown in a relationship, you're not doing things um, the right way, this is how you deal with it. And that requires trust, trust with, within in, in the local community and with the leadership. And that's something that needs to be earned and um and and demonstrated and so it's very easy to drift away from that because it sounds hard but jesus is actually saying that's a good way a healthy way to deal with conflict and problems in relationships and not simply go down to the divorce law lawyer down the road but deal with it rightly with god at the center and so here in in 19 um jesus is faced with this question and it's interesting he gets asked this question in perea where uh, John the Baptist was arrested and, and murdered because he spoke out about um, um, an illegal marriage between Herod Antipas. And so are they trying to set Jesus up here? Well, it doesn't specifically tell us, but you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me that they're trying to get Jesus into trouble. And so then they asked Jesus the question, uh, um, about the law of Moses. Does the law of Moses allow divorce for one reason or many reasons? 
And so this is a big issue. It was a big issue 2,000 years ago. It was a big issue 3,500 years at the time of Moses, and, and it's a pretty big issue today. Just uh, in the last couple of hundred years, if you wanted to get divorced in the late 1860s, uh, you would have had to get an act of parliament to enable you to be divorced. It was that hard, and you had to have a fair amount of money to enable that. In the late um, 1800s, the the uh, marriage laws got shifted into the uh, high court out of parliament. And so it became then clear that you could be um, divorced on the issue of adultery. Unfairly, for some reason, women had a harder, a, a, a harder bar to reach. They also had to justify cruelty or abandonment in order for them to be able to get a high court divorce. And so we've, we've seen this gradual widening of divorce laws over, over the decades and uh, the, the, the time allowed before su submitting a divorce and actually being allowed to divorce has, has shrunk too. And really we came to the 1980s where again was a, another big change where the, the marriage laws got shifted out of the high court and into the family courts and to be able to, d to deal with them there. And then the ideas of irretrievable breakdown, irreconcilable differences just between the, the, the spouses was um, a reason to be divorced. And so we've seen um, this widening of these, of, of, of these, of relaxation of these restrictions. And you see here on this, this chart up here, um, these for New Zealand, it shows that the, uh, the marriage rate has dropped to about a quarter of what it was in the 19, early 1970s and the divorce rate has roughly been fairly stable. So in the, in the midst of that, the average um, length of a marriage, do anyone know how long that is here in New Zealand? 13 and a half years is the average. And so we're, we're kind of, of, of seeing that and, and divorce almost, sorry, marriage almost being pushed to the sidelines in a society sense and um, less people participating in that. And uh, as Thomas said earlier, this is something pretty foundational for God, is that marriage is an institution that, that God has, has um, ordained. And, and so uh, it's a challenge for us, how do we work through this? And so Jesus pointed them back to God's intent. And so we're just going to show a video now, which just reminds us a bit of that, that creation story here. So if we can put on that video, Reese, now that would be great. Let me show you something. This is the Hebrew word ish, which means man, husband. This is the Hebrew word isha, which means woman, wife. Now you can see that men and women are a lot alike but that we are also distinctly different. But what's interesting is what makes us distinctly different, these two letters spell the word God in Hebrew, the short form. Because the Bible says that God made us in his image and likeness and when he created us, he created us male and female. And in a marriage relationship between a man and a woman, there is no stronger bond than when God is present. But what if I told you that if you are to remove God from that relationship, 
these two letters spell a Hebrew word. Which is fire. See, because in Hebrew, when something is doubled, it's the ultimate. And when we take God out of the marriage relationship, it is the ultimate destruction. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more um, about that later, but it just isn't that fascinating that even in the design of the language, that God is right there in the middle of, of that relationship. Um, now, we understand, you know, in, in this room, there'll be many who are in different places um, in relation to marriage and, and remarriage and divorce, and I think all of us uh, will have had some experience in, in some way or another, and Please hear us, hear our hearts this morning. We're, we're, we're not trying to target this at anyone at all, um, and, and we're certainly not trying to, to push an agenda. What we're trying to do is, is open the Word of God and present it the way that it is written and, uh, and for us to try and hear the heart of God in that. So with, with that in mind, uh, Richard, I think what we'll do is, is if we just target a little bit at a time, and, and perhaps talk to that. So um, if I read from Matthew 19, if you have a Bible, please open with us. Uh, Matthew 19, and I'll read 1 to 6. I'm reading from the NIV this morning. So it says, When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason. Haven't you heard, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, Richard, um, it's interesting when the Pharisees asked Jesus this question, he, he responds in a way that we, we perhaps don't uh, expect. Rather than kind of answer their question, he goes back to Genesis. He quotes Genesis, doesn't he? And the question I have is, is what, does, what, what does that have to do with their question? Why does he go back to the beginning? Okay, well, they were expecting um, Jesus to answer with the law of Moses, which was uh, their, their big focus. And he goes back to the original uh, question of purpose. And God designed uh, marriage as a foundational element of all human society. And under that umbrella of marriage, you've got companionship, commitment, and uh, consummation, which would lead to procreation, to children. You know, it says right at the beginning of Genesis, go out and be fruitful. And so marriage, um, the, the concept of marriage, was to be the umbrella for that to happen. And the kind of, they kind of lost sight of that creation story and uh, the, the Pharisees and the leaders were come, becoming more focused on exceptions, uh, how to get out of a marriage rather than how to stay in and work through marriage problems and to attach the same importance to it as, as God did. And so they were struggling with that. And so um, they were dealing with that. And uh, one of the challenges in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, exceptions pop up into the text. 
and how do we read them? And so they were struggling with this back in the first century. And there were a couple of famous rabbis at the time. There was a conservative rabbi called Rabbi Shammai. And he was saying that um, the passage in Deuteronomy 24 uh, about the law of Moses, uh, that was saying that for adultery, someone could be divorced and remarried. And that was the only reason. At the same time, there was a, another famous rabbi, Rabbi Hillel, who was saying, no, 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 it's a bit wider than that. You can uh, be divorced and remarried for any any action by your wife that's offensive to you. And so widening that. Now, only in, in, in the Jewish law, only men could divorce women, not, not the other way around. A few decades later, another rabbi pops up, and he says, kind of, um, that uh, you can actually get divorced, remarried for any reason. And I, I forgot to mention earlier, as I've shown those divorce stats, in the UK, they've um, just announced a no-fault divorce. So, in effect, that if you're not happy together anymore, all you need to do is sign a form, there's no blame, no judgment, and you can just simply get divorced. Sign the form, and in a few months, it'll all be, be processed. And that's the kind of position that Rabbi Akiva uh, was coming from uh, in that period later. Just for, if you've had enough, just, just leave. And so the government will allow you, the law will allow you to do that nice and easy and not feel judged by that at all. And, and so they are wrestling with these, these issues. And so we come to, um, where we come to now, Tom? Hmm. Verse 6. Verse 6. With that in mind, why do you think then that Jesus says they are no longer two but one flesh? Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Yeah, um, <laughs> with yeah, what I, what I what I think um, I've found really interesting about this is the way that Jesus is not addressing their question as as in like answering them based on what what they see right in front of them, but he, he going right back to the way that God intended marriage, and again he quotes um, Genesis here and he talks about when a man will leave his parents and cleave to his wife and. Uh, uh, maybe if I just break down that passage a little bit there, I think we've probably all seen the analogy of um, gluing two pieces of wood together and pulling them apart. Today I've got, they look like gingerbread men actually, <laughs> but I've got two pieces of polystyrene. And, I wouldn't uh, try it. I've, uh, just because this may not work, I've prepared one earlier. Um, actually, yeah, anyway, move on, Tom, move on. So if we've got, if we, at the start there it says they are no longer two, and I think we can probably all understand that what we're saying here is, is originally there, there are two individual people, very separate. They're themselves. They've got their own identity, two separate, right? But it says that they, uh, they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. And I'm going to use this out of the Morrisville College Science Department. Don't tell anyone. I will return it. Uh, the glue to represent um, Jesus, uh, God, in this, in this relationship, okay? And, and it says, you know, when we're reading that passage where it says a man will leave his parents and cleave to his wife. In the Hebrew, that word cleave, really, it's like, it's like superglue. It's talking about a connection, a bond that is never intended to be separated, that it is incredibly strong. And so the glue in this case, when you bring the man and the woman together, the two are no longer two. They're not individuals, but they are one. And hopefully the gold there, it's kind of gold. It's very hard to paint polystyrene, by the way. Um, is, is to represent what happens when we come together in that union, we, we now reflect Christ, okay? We reflect God in the midst of that. And so 
the next part of that where it says they are no longer two but one flesh therefore what god has joined together we need to understand that what god has joined together he is deeply invested in in our relationships in our marriage what he has joined together it says that god is right there in the center of it this is something that is really really important to god and he is part of that relationship and if he has joined it together let no man separate And what we're talking about, we're not just talking about the husband and the wife, but no man, no legislation, no no rules, no society. Uh, In in regards to the Pharisees, not Moses, okay, let no one separate what God has put together. Now, remember, we're talking here in the context of the Garden of Eden where everything was perfect, right? And that intention, marriage was not meant to be two individuals, but one coming together and the beauty of that together. And this idea of them being pulled apart is not something that was ever meant to happen. And when, when it does, if this works, oh dear. Right. <laughs> what we get is, is we don't get two individuals again. We get two broken pieces of one. And, and we know, I mean, I think all of us have probably experienced relationships that have broken at some point it doesn't just affect those who are part of that relationship we know it affects the children the grandchildren it affects the whole community remember when they're together they represent god this is something that god has joined that he has designed and when it's broken it reflects poorly on on what god has done now at the same time when, when i talk about all this i know that is a very hard thing to to hear but no matter what we've done, regardless of this topic or any other topic, we've all fallen short. We've all, none of us measure up to the standard that we require to be in relationship with God, right? We, um, we're all sinners, yet we have an amazing God, amazing God who's about love, he's about grace, he's about forgiveness and restoration. No matter what has been done, there is always hope, hope of, of that restoration and relationship with him. Um, yeah, thanks Richard, if you wanna cool. carry on there. Just, just, just reminds you of just that little video we, sh- we saw before when um, you take God out of it, there's fire, and fire normally means pain, doesn't it? And uh, as you see, just the trying to break away that relationship, it causes pain, not just for the, the couple involved, but the, the, the wider family and for children too. And um, that's, that's a challenge mm. uh, for all of us. And um, uh, we just need to bear that in mind when we're thinking about this topic, when we're contemplating marriage and just when we do have challenges mm. through marriage so we come to to verses seven to nine and and i guess the pharisees are starting to see that jesus is looking back to the intention god's original intention for marriage and he says or well, they say why then did moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away and jesus replies he says moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Hmm. So uh, again, they're coming back to, to the, the law of Moses here. Um, how do you feel about unpacking that one, Richard? Yeah, these, this is where we're getting into the nitty gritty of things here, Tom. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge. But notice here that uh, the, the leaders talk about what Moses permitted, what was being allowed. Mm. Jesus actually affirms what, uh, describes what was God's heart, what was God's command, and mm. tries to reorientate it back there. And so their background is that God, in one sense, made a marriage commitment with the Israelites 
They were in bondage in Israel, in Egypt. God rescues them out of Egypt, and um, he takes them to Mount Sinai. And in one sense, he, he creates a covenant with them, a bit like a marriage covenant, and says, I've rescued you now, and um, do you want to be in relationship with me? And they wanted to be out of gratitude that God had rescued them. He said, I want you to live with me and want to be in, have a special relationship with you. And so um, that was uh, all, all, all well and good. But I guess one of the, 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 the challenges, though, in all of this, God had done something for them. It's easy to forget what God has done for us. Mm. It's a miracle. One of the great miracles of the Bible was rescuing the people and God giving them the privilege. You're going to show the world what I look like. And uh, it's very easy for us to get prideful. And one of the challenges for the Israelites in getting prideful is they started wearing the Bible around like a badge. We've got God's word. We're in a special relationship with him. You're not. Rather than enjoying that relationship, mm. they kind of boasted about their status with God. Sometimes someone might, might boast that they're married to a celebrity or someone famous gives them status. But the heart is the actual relationship itself. And so they kind of uh, lost sight of that and um, were focusing on mechanically what they needed to do to keep God's favor rather than enjoying that relationship. And that's going to get them in, into trouble. And it's a challenge for us too. And also, if we go back to the Genesis, polygamy was normal in the culture. And we see that the patriarchs. Nowhere in the Bible does, does God affirm polygamy. But he manages and he works through the people when it happens by his, his grace. And so the law of Moses comes, and this is the first time God is saying, one man, one wife. And so all their culture that seeped into the people of Israel, that's really hard. We're used to having more than one, one, one spouse. And so um, they got, got, got challenged with that. And so God here in Deuteron Deuteronomy 24, 1 to 4, he, God is not favoring divorce by allowing this, 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 this permission for hardness of hearts. He's actually doing it for another reason, and that is to protect the women, the children, the divorced women, uh, who have no status in their culture and in their society. And so that women wouldn't be abandoned from, from food, being clothed, and, and, and just for, for, the, for the gift of, of, of sexual intercourse, that that was part of a marriage. And so they had to provide for these things. But um, the word also says that, hey, if, if you allow your wife to leave, that's it. She's never going to come back to you. Even if her second marriage doesn't work, it's final. And so if you decide to let your wife go, there's no going back on that relationship, even if you regret it later on. And so Jesus is trying to get them out of that mechanical understanding of the law of Moses or relationship into what it really means and God's intent. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah um, just sort of thinking about last year with, well, recently, probably more recent than last year with the, um, with the restrictions we've had with, with COVID and how some of us might look at those restrictions as a guideline um, or look for the gray areas or the ways that we can work in and around it, you know, and, and sometimes it kind of feels like that's how the Pharisees are, are treating, uh, and probably not just the Pharisees, but treating the, the Mosaic law as it's like a, a list of rules, and if we can find kind of ways to live around that, then then we will. Um, I, I was, we were talking the other day, Richard, um, about uh, when, when we were in Matthew 5, we talked about how the, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart. And um, 
and I feel like what Jesus is, is really trying to do here is, is trying to raise the eyes of the Pharisees, of the disciples, to bring them above what they know as being the Mosaic law and to fix them on Christ. And we've talked, you've talked about the Mosaic law. And so Christ here is saying, hey, actually, there's another law here. There's the law of Christ. And um, is, is it in, in Matthew 5 as well, where Jesus says, I, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets, but, but rather to fulfill it. And uh, we see in the example of Jesus' life, I mean, he is the word become flesh, right? He's living this beautiful example, showing us how, how, to, how to live that way. You look like you want to say something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, just, just to say, so he, he, he takes it away from being mechanical yeah. about following these commands. This, in a person, is how I want you to live relationally. So Jesus puts relationship into the words, which is at the heart of the Bible. The heart of the Bible is a relationship with God and with one another. Mm. And so Jesus says, this is what it looks like. Mm. Yeah, so that law, the law of Christ, um, it's when, when, when Jesus is asked what is the greatest commandment, what does he say? He says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And, and seeking to love your neighbor as yourself. There's, there's an emphasis on love, and uh, he's not trying to undermine or like uh, crush the law of Moses, but rather, to, I think, for us to look beyond that, to look at the heart, what God's original intention was. Um, yeah, if, if that makes sense, I think we, is it in First Peter, where it talks about how we are to, to be holy as he is holy, and, uh, and we see that example in Christ, and uh, it's something we, we would probably never achieve in our lifetime but certainly on our journey from from brokenness to restoration and salvation is is working to to get there all the time um yeah perhaps we'll move on verses eight and nine jesus replies and um he says to the pharisees he says moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard but it was not this way from the beginning i tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. Now, Richard, as, as the younger person up here, and uh, as, as, no, no, and as the assistant, I, I feel it's probably your responsibility to... <laughs> um, this, this is a really tough passage, isn't it? And it, I think it's something that... Um, we, <laughs> we talked about just skipping over it, um, but, but we really have a responsibility to, to open the Word of God and, and to allow God to, to try and help us through it. Do you think you can guide us through this, Richard? Lord, help me in that. First, firstly, I mean, God is really, impatient, really patient. He's patient with the Israelites. He's patient with us. And this concession he allows in Deuteronomy 24 is because their hearts are hard to turn to God slowly, and they're dragging the chain. And we're the same often. But God is full of grace. Jesus came in grace and truth. And so secondly, Jesus is, again, he, he's, he's talking about the, the, uh, God's intent of the permanence of marriage mm. in, the, in this life. And so if we go to the, uh, the next slide, if just imagine we didn't have the Gospel of Matthew, we had the Gospel of Mark, Luke, and John. John doesn't uh, record anything. But um, in uh, what, what Jesus says, is that the right slide? Not yet. Yeah. is, is um, what we have here is that Jesus in Mark and Luke says anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. Interestingly, Mark adds, and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now, that wasn't true in Israel, but it was true in Rome, where Mark was writing as a primary audience to them. And so it's being relevant to them. So it makes us think that when we're reading scripture from a particular book, why is that author 
putting it in there? Or why is he leaving something else out? Because often he's dealing with the audience and he wants to communicate something with them. And that's, uh, we're starting night church next uh, Sunday evening at 6.15. And so we're going to be talking about how we, you know, finding tools to help us read the Bible mm. uh, in, in, in good ways, in confident ways. So that'll be starting up again next week. And we'll, we'll touch on some of these issues like that. So, so Luke says the same. So Mark and Luke say, no exceptions. Remarriage after divorce is adultery. And then I've shown the Matthew passage up there, but I've excluded uh, the exception clause that Matthew brings in, because we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that now. But just to say there's a, there's a common thread in the Gospels in talking about that passage. And so if we go to the next si slide, we see here um, that... Uh, you got the next slide there, Reese. Is there... I've added that, that the, the, the full text from that verse back in there, and I put a couple of circles around there, you know, commas, which are in our text if we're reading the NIV. You don't find those in, in the original language because they didn't use that grammar in that way. And so it makes it a bit hard for us then to understand uh, their, their full intent. So we have to make some, uh, some um, judgment calls on that. And so, but when we normally look at grammar, when we look at, at a passage and it has an exception clause, what it normally relates to is what has just preceded it. So what's gone before. Mm. So in essence, in that verse, Jesus is saying that uh, uh, for adultery, it's okay to divorce someone. You won't be held accountable by God. Uh, but it doesn't apply to remarriage. Now, other scholars, uh, particularly sort of more modern, more modern times, is they apply that exception clause to both the divorce and the remarriage. And they'll come up with lots of justifications to explain that. So it's pretty hard for the average person in the street to know, well, which way do I read it, <laughs> isn't it? You know, when you hear some people saying it only applies to divorce, others saying it applies to divorce and remarriage. And that's kind of hard. Who do you listen to? <laughs> and so that's kind of one of the challenges that we have. And so it's clear that uh, Jesus saying adultery can dissolve a marriage, but the heart, if you read Matthew 18, you read Matthew 5, is reconciliation <laughs> should be your yeah. uh, approach. Um, and so Jesus is, is saying clearly uh, adultery can dissolve a marriage though but there's a question mark about remarriage and then the gospel goes out to the nations to Turkey, to Europe and uh, Paul has to go out and, and share that um, among those who don't come from a, 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 a Jewish background pagans mm -hmm. and, and many others and so Paul in 1 Corinthians and, and Romans uh, affirms what, what Jesus says that the intent of marriage is that it lasts as permanent uh, un until you die and he says of, of married couples if you have problems separate stay separate if you can't reconcile but if you can reconcile get back together and so that was what Paul says in 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 1 Corinthians so he's, he's echoing the words of Jesus but there's some other issues going on around there that Paul addresses that Jesus didn't need to address one of the one of them is if um, you know you've got two pagans one becomes a Christian the other doesn't and, I, and you're thinking about the one who's not a Christian. I didn't sign up for this, for this, for you now wanting to read the Bible, wanting to pray and do all these things and change your behavior. And so Paul says, if you're the Christian, do not divorce them. You stick with that. But you're not called to be a slave. You know, to slave as you stay in that marriage. And so if they want to leave, let them leave. And you're not going to be held accountable for that because you can't stop them leaving. And so, so um, uh, that, that seems Paul is saying that divorce there is, is okay. 
before God. Then there's a question that comes up, is that Christian free to remarry after that? And again, like the issue of Jesus, there's mixed opinions on that. Some say uh, you have to remain single, and others say no, that being released from that allows you to, to remarry. And so again, that's a, an issue that we're, we're, um, we all have to grapple with. And he, he then, after dealing with the married couples, he deals to, with, with singles and says, if you're single, there's trouble going on around Corinth at the time and, and, and in the European world. Hey, I just think right now you want to stay where you are. Don't, you know, don't get married. There's like COVID going on. A lot of marriages have been postponed because of all the upheaval was going on in the last year or two. But he says, if you do want to get, get married, you haven't sinned. Now, again, the question comes up in, in here is, is the single person, does a single person include those who have been divorced? Are they now classified as single? And again, there is argument and debate over whether that says that or not. And so some people have said, no, that means that if you're divorced, uh, you're single, it means you're free to remarry. And so you'll see that in, 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 in many countries that people say, hey, I've, um, I'm, I'm divorced now, I'm free to, to, to remarry. And I guess that's kind of stretching it if you, if you consider what Paul and, and Jesus have pre previously said. But many Christians have followed that line. And so, again, it's really hard how do we navigate these passages you know, because it's really important issues that we're, we're dealing with. The only other restriction Paul puts on, and again, this is for, for single people, if you're thinking about getting married, marry someone who's a Christian. That's really important because if you don't, when it comes to big decisions, you may find yourself in different paths of what do we do with our children? What school do they go to? Is there a Christian school? How do we uh, inter interact with our children? Can we pray for them? Can we not pray for them? What's, what, what, are, are the, what morals inform our choices in our marriage? And so Paul says, you want to be on the same page, marriage, uh, marry a Christian. So I'm um, conscious of that at that time. Does that answer that, Tom? I think we should move on, Richard. We should move on, yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to read up uh, the, just the next few verses. Verses 10 to 12. The disciples said to Jesus, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, No one can accept this word but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who are born that way. There are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. So it's my turn to ask you a couple of questions, Tom. Why, why do you think that the uh, disciples were surprised by Jesus' comments? And what is surprising about Jesus' uh, reply in, in relation to the gift of singleness? Hmm. Um. Yeah, I wonder if, if, uh, if we were there or if Jesus were here asking us the same question. Um, our, our response might be a bit the same. You know, they were certainly challenged by, by what he had to say and um, I think challenged because it seems that Jesus is giving a very narrow narrow view on this. Um, and yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's just easier not to get married. It sounds like this is really hard. Um, but again, I, th I think they would have over time understood his heart and recognised where he was going. But I, th I think that's important for us to recognise as well that, uh, you know, like the disciples, there were many voices, many, many people in that community and things that were probably historical that would have influenced the way that they thought. And, um, and I think the same today, you know, there's, there's things that we feel uh, are right because they, they feel right based on, our, on our, the society we live in and because you know, people who are very elegant speakers might say it. 
um, but that doesn't necessarily make it so. And uh, just a, a, again, another reminder that we, we should be coming back to, to the Bible and, and testing these things. Um, if I move on, I, th- I think this is a part that we quite often miss, this last part of, um, of the passage. And, um, and what I love about it is, is that Jesus is really showing us that singleness and marriage are both gifts from God. And uh, we, I might be very general in, in saying this, but I think we live in a time where, where we perhaps look at people who aren't married and kind of wonder what's, what's wrong with them. Why aren't they married? What, what if, you know, what's going on there and uh it's it's interesting we're like you you talked about um where where paul was writing to to the corinthians and there's a point there where, where he actually writes to the church in corinth and he challenges them because they're elevating singleness and saying that single people are like the super christians that they um have have more faith or or you know they're, they're deeper in their relationship with god and and it's almost like today it's the complete other way around that if if you're single it's it's almost like you're missing something, right? And uh, again, I'm, I'm being very generalized here, but I think it's important to understand that what Jesus is saying is that that singleness or, or celibacy, whatever word we want to use, is is really important, and it is a gift from God. And and perhaps our response to that is that we should be um, recognizing that those in our community, those in our lives, or our families who who believe that that calling is in their life, is to actually encourage them in that and and try to understand what that means. Um, and, and to, as, as we would with any gift, encourage and find place for, for them to shine in that. And for those who perhaps feel that that is a calling in their life to, um, to feel confident to walk in that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that enough? Yeah, I think so. All right. We. <laughs> There's a lot to chew on. Um, Richard, I, I just wonder if quickly... Um, We've covered a lot of material this morning, and certainly there's there's a lot more that we haven't. But perhaps in just a couple of minutes, could you give us perhaps a recap on some of those the main points? Yeah, thanks, Tom. Yeah, I mean we all know. Go, go. I mean, right at the beginning, God designed marriage as a, as a foundational mm-hmm. element of, of 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 community, and uh, it's very important that we read in the Bible. We see this imagery right through the Bible, literally and and spiritually. But there are issues, and we know breakdowns of relationships are right through the Bible, and God's grace, his fingerprints are, are, of grace are right through the Bible. Mm. And so Jesus does say that uh, if there's adultery uh, going on in a marital relationship, that the person uh, who, who's the innocent one is free uh, uh, from the consequences of divorcing uh, the, the person who's done that. And, but the question of remarriage, again, is debated. Uh, among Christian circles. Um, abandonment by a, a, spa- a non-Christian spouse you know, after, after you've been married. Uh, Paul says, you're, again, you're not held by the consequences of being divorced if they want to leave the marriage. Um, but uh, you don't initiate that. And again, it's debated whether the, uh, the, the, the Christian in, in that situation is free to remarry. Mm-hmm. And again, we need to work through these things because it's, it's, it's a really tricky subject. Um, uh, we know God's intent, but how do we deal with these insecri- um, uh, exceptions? And um, uh, Paul says that if you're single, you're free to, uh, re- to free to marry. You're not sin, but stay s- single in 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 difficult times. Or there's lots of upheavals going on. And um, 
uh, as I said, whether that's, that's widened to include anyone who's, who's divorced as well is again one of those areas of debate and topic. So not easy, but just remember that we've looked at Matthew 18. There's a church process that we ought to be using when there's a breakdown or conflict or disagreement mm. in relationships. And that should be our first port of call. Mm. Not going down to the lawyers or getting friends to side with you. But we want God in the middle yeah. of that conflict. Mm. That we do it God's way. Mm. Even though we've got a lot of emotions going on or hurt that's going on in the midst of that. So put God in the center mm. of that. And I said for leadership, we would, we, we, we've, we've got to want our hearts to support you in that. And, um, and to love you through those things. Mm. And uh, again, I've become much more aware of the gift of singleness. And I know some people who remain single, they get pressurized to, to find a partner to feel normal. They say, we don't want that. God has given us that gift to be single. That's our identity. Our relationship with God is sufficient. And some of them have great stories of serving God all their lives. And perhaps we underestimate their impact. And if you're single here and we kind of overlook you, and I'd say we're probably sorry because we just mm. oftentimes focus on, on married couples. Uh, but the gift of singleness is just as important as the gift of marriage. Um, so that's probably the, the main recap of what we've tried to talk through, Tom. Okay. Yeah, maybe um, difficult, I guess, whenever we open, open the Bible and we, and we read it and we look at it and we study it, it's, it's one thing to, to read it, it's another thing to, to try to find ways to live it. And um, perhaps if we think about how we can apply this this morning, obviously we will all have very, we'll all be in very different places. Um, but I think first of all, really important is recognise that Richard, we, we're just people. We, you know, we're going to make mistakes, and um, not, not that we intend to, but we may say things that that are that are not accurate. And I just encourage everyone, like with anything, that we need to test the word of God we're told that time and time again that there'll be false teachers and false prophets and we need to come back to the Bible and, and ask for the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us and so I'd encourage you to do that if there are areas in here that you're struggling with um, that you don't have clarity on or you'd, or you'd like further clarity this is our greatest source of wisdom and um, and at the same time you know if you'd like to talk to, to Richard or myself or, or, or Foster or, or Nick or, or anyone for that matter um, within the church, like I'd, I'd encourage you to sit down and pour over these scriptures and try to come to a place where, where you have a peace in terms of the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, I, for me, something that I guess um, over the weeks that I've, I guess I'm trying to apply to myself is to, to remember that that number one relationship we talked about at the very beginning is our relationship with God. And if he's not first in our life, if he doesn't take priority in different parts in our life, that's going to affect everything else, isn't it? If, if he's not where we're looking to for, for guidance and for truth, then, then it's going to be very hard to interpret what's in front of us. And so I'd encourage anyone, like if there are things in your life, it can be this topic or any topic, that, uh, that you haven't brought before the Lord, that perhaps that's a good place to start and uh, to seek his, his forgiveness and receive that grace and that love that, that he has. He's an amazing God, an incredible God. And uh, just in relation to, to the topic, like marriage is something that's really important to us as a church. We, it's part of our budget. We've budgeted for, for marriage enrichment, not to be all um, mechanical in, in, in this, but what I mean is that if, if there are things that you'd like to invest in in your marriage, if you'd like, it doesn't mean you have to be in a bad place, but if you'd like support in that, if you'd like, um, 
hear guidance, then we, we have people in the church. We have a number of couples who are trained as marriage mentors. We, uh, we, we strongly endorse the, the work of family life and, and, uh, and the retreats that they run, and we'd be very happy to help support people to go to those. And, and we also we have access to people like Alan Davey, who is, is a remarkable coach and, uh, and, and help in, in, in many aspects. But what I'm saying is if there are things there that you want to invest in or you want to work through, Please, please don't keep that um, in the dark. Yeah, that's good. And if you're considering getting married? Oh, yes, we, we do have, um, yeah, we'd love to walk through that with you as well with, with pre-marriage counselling or, or even just to sit down and talk about what that looks like. Um, yeah, we, we're very blessed to have, again, a number of couples in the church who are very gifted at, at that premarital um, counsel. And likewise for people who may not be married but want to be married and, and want some advice on that as well. Yeah, I, I was just thinking of time, but Richard, there were a couple of stories you shared with me in the week, and um, yeah, often stories are, are really helpful. I just wonder, would you mind sharing maybe a couple of those just as we finish? Yeah, uh, just just first, uh, firstly, um, when I became a, a Christian, I, I, uh, my view of marriage kind of kind of changed a lot, and the, the, the deepness and the depth of it change and so Julie and I began praying for our children for godly wives but we added to the end of that prayer and I didn't always like praying that because you know you're a bit worried what God might do um, but you, we have to trust him is that you know if it's if it's his will for them not to marry that he would equip them not to marry but we wanted them to walk in God's plan for them but we wanted to pray for godly wives and that's pretty important you can do that now to pray for pray for your children for godly spouses uh, just two stories just to end on uh, Julie and I uh, had a friend many years ago and she shared her story uh, that um, she was Christian, she met a guy, the sparks flew, he became a Christian, and they became quite involved um, in, in church activity and then she was praying about marriage and she felt God say to her, do not marry that man and she thought, I love him. <laughs> And I, my heart's bursting for this man. And she kind of put her, her fingers in her ears and uh, ignored that. And what she reflected on, she flipped those relationships, importance of relationships, relationships. She put her intended spouse number one and God number two and allowed her to make that, that, that choice. So she ignored that prompting. And so um, she got married, had, a, had, a, had children, had a child, and things went, went fine for a while, and then the husband was uh, away a lot more, and their relationship was getting more distant. And then one day, his secret cannot be held any longer, that his girlfriend is pregnant and she's about to have a baby. And uh, not only that, is that that cycle repeats itself. Uh, another year's time, another woman, another baby on the way. And um, she said the pain in navigating that process herself and her son was so painful that it far outweighed that feeling of emotion and love that she felt towards this guy all those years ago you know she loves her son but you know she said i wish i'd listened to god at that time so really painful just flipping those relationships with our emotions are powerful and it's so easy for us to flip god from number one to number two but often when we do that we're not getting god's best and there can be pain involved in that. A second story is uh, we knew um, a, a couple 
she was Christian, he wasn't. Um, he was in sales, often went away a lot, and um, stayed in motels. And his sales partner was female. And so one of their, their, their um, trips away, they ended up sharing the room together you know, while they were away. And then this carried on. And then it went on for a couple of years. And then he decided he, he was getting fed up with this relationship and just wanted to sort of cut it. Well, the woman didn't want this. You know, how can you cut me out of this? And so she threatens to tell his wife. Uh, and then, in her anger and pain, she goes to the police and says, that man raped me. Of course, his world is falling down by now. And uh, being exposed to his wife, could go to prison and lose his job. And his whole world would fall down. Well, he was coming along to our church in that crisis time. And so a, a few mature leaders just got by his side and tried to help him how to navigate through that, that uh, terrible storm. And then we, there was an altar call one week and it was said there that there is nothing that you have done that God cannot forgive. Divorce is not a, or adultery is not an unforgivable sin. And so he came forward, gave his life to the Lord. And he took a step of faith that God would lead him through what he didn't know what was going to happen next. But in God's grace, as he surrendered that to, to God, the, the charges were, were, were dropped. His wife embraced him. He became a Christian. And uh, to see that relationship just tr change and transform. But a lot of pain yeah. to get to that place. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, again, there's nothing you can do. There's divorces and, and remarriage. Mm. I said it's not the unforgivable sin. God is a gracious God mm. and wants to us mm. to grow in him and to be restored to that identity we so often talk about, mm. our identity in God. Cool. Thanks, Richard. I think we should leave it there, and I'll, I'll ask Howard and the team to come up. But just, um, yeah, I, I was singing in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, uh, yeah, I, I think um, there are times when we open the word and it's really hard to hear, right? It's... Uh, it's very confronting, and I think there's times where I know for myself, I search through to try and find things that would justify my my opinion or my thoughts on things. But what we what we need to be doing is coming to the Bible with a soft heart, asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and uh, to bring those gentle convictions. Um, I think I said earlier, you know what what God. What I, I think there's just times where where God brings things out into the light for us to deal with because He wants to see us set free from them. And I love that prayer from David where he says, search my heart, O God, and reveal any offensive way in me. And uh, and for me, I, I, I guess I look at David and see he's just trying to lift his eyes to God and go, Lord, how do I serve you? How do I how do I walk in what is true? And um, I just want to say, you know, if there are people in here this morning where this is hard or this hurts, um, I mean, that might be in, in the fact that perhaps we haven't done it as, as gently as, as we'd like, but... Perhaps that's the Holy Spirit giving you a nudge as well. And um, I just encourage you, wrestle with the fact these are Jesus' words. These aren't our words. These are Jesus' words. And uh, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in understanding that and uh, and to bring healing in those places. Um, and, and as Richard said, there is nothing, nothing that we could do that, uh, that God can't forgive. Um, 
he, he loves us deeply. So um, I just encourage you, you know, while Howard and the team are playing um, or after the service, come, come grab one of us. If you want to come up the front for a place where there's a bit of space, there, there are others around here who would love to stand and pray with you. You don't necessarily have to share your stories. We're, we're more than happy to, we know that God knows what's going on, but um, we'd love to stand with you in the midst of that. So, yeah, Richard, if maybe perhaps if you just close in prayer and, and as Howard, Howard and the team come on up. Yeah. Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your graciousness as all throughout the Bible and, uh, Lord, you sending yourself into the world to reconcile us, to restore us to your image is just a wonderful picture. And, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that forgiveness, reconciliation, restoration is your business. And, Lord, uh, we know that, as Tom has prayed, there's, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you for that confidence. And we thank you, Lord, that whatever you have for us going forward is that you want to set us free uh, and to be able to walk in the liberty that you have Jesus purchased for us. So, Lord, enable us to do that. Help us to love one another, with the, uh, love one another with the deep love that you have loved us with. We do not deserve any of that, but we thank you, Lord, our God. And I pray you'll protect uh, everyone here, Lord, from any, any misunderstandings, misinterpretations, Father, or, 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 or missed intent, Father. We thank you that you are in the business of restoring. And so we entrust this to you, and uh, I pray you'll be at work in all our hearts. And may our hearts all be kept soft towards you. In Jesus' name, amen.